Hello, I'm Jeff Smith, and welcome to The Secrets of Success. Throughout my life, I've been fascinated by one single question, and it's how do successful people become successful? What is it that makes that big difference in our lives? Over the last 40 years, I've interviewed rich people, famous people and many millionaires to find out their secrets of success and to share them here with you. Of course, success is not always measured in money. And in these programs, I'm looking at many different success stories from people in all walks of life. I want to find out what makes them tick, how they overcame adversity to keep on going, and I want to extract those magical nuggets of wisdom so that you too can implement the secrets of success into your own life. In this episode, I'm talking with Dr. Frank Buck. Frank Buck makes organization easy so you can increase productivity, decrease stress, and of course, improve the chances of your success. His career path has taken him from being a band director, central office administrator, and now to productivity coach and motivational speaker. I know that many people will become overwhelmed by the amount of paper and digital information in their lives. Heck no, I'm one of them. And I know all too well that the stress causes people to divert their efforts and focus from their main objectives. This is going to be an interview of clarity and simplicity to get your life sorted out so you can enjoy greater levels of success in whatever field of your endeavor. Let's bring in the man himself. Welcome to the show, Dr. Frank Buck. Jeff, thank you so much. Thanks for that introduction. It's a pleasure to be with you this morning. Uh, it's wonderful to have you here, Frank. How are you today? Perfect. Oh, good stuff. Well, I'm intrigued to find out the secrets of how we can simplify and declutter our lives. But before we do that, I want to find out a little more about you, Frank. I want to take you back to your early life. So th three quickie questions for you. Okay. Where, where were you born? What was the life like being a child? And what mm -hmm. were your dreams and aspirations as you were growing up? All right. I was born in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, um, about five miles away from the University of Alabama. Uh, son of a uh, lawyer and housewife. My, my dad was a lawyer in a, a one-man shop. So, you know, don't think about what you turn on on TV and see the big law firm and the fancy. No, no, no. He was a one-man shop, his own secretary, his own bookkeeper, um, his own everything. Uh, was raised in a musical family. Uh, coming through junior high, I thought I would like to be a professional flute player, you know, playing a symphony orchestra. And uh, I did become a band director. I finally I read an article one time that talked about, you know, well, here are the 150 jobs in the country for professional flute players, and you have to wait till someone dies for there to be an opening, <laughs> and there'll be 250 applicants. So I thought, well, we better go to a plan B. Every school needs a band director. I probably got a better shot at that. But my, my aspiration growing up was to be, uh, from ninth grade on, uh, a band director, a junior 
senior high band director and to try and have as successful program as I could. Of course, got into it a dozen years later. I transitioned into uh, school administration, decided I wanted to run the whole school. And uh, what I've what I've learned in, uh, along the way and what I've found from so many other people is that a good band director does make a good school administrator because you're responsible for the whole program. You know, you've got four walls and somebody paying the light bill, but whether or not you have tubas and timpani and, and all of the, the instruments that you need, it's can you fundraise, can you plan, can you organize, can you think year to year to year to make that happen and recruit the kids so that you have plenty of students in the program. Um, very successful former band director who turned principal said, Frank, you're running a band program, just it's like running your school in miniature. And he was absolutely right. So it was it was a great journey. Uh, if you'd have asked me in ninth grade if I thought I'd be a productivity coach at some point, I'd say, well, no, I'll be a band director always. <laughs> sure. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure no one... <laughs> I'm going to reach out there now. I'm pretty sure no one, when, they, when they're young, thinks, you know, when I grow up, I'm going to specialise in time management. I'm sure they don't. So I used to be a professional musician, so I'm fascinated in your journey of being a band director. So in a little more depth now, what is a band director? What's involved in that role? Right. Well, um, of course, a lot, a lot of people, when they, when they hear the word band, they think, you know, guitars, rock band, that kind of thing. So, so that's not it. We're, you know, flutes, clarinets, um, you know, the patriotic music, uh, so forth and so on. So uh, here in the United States, at least in our part of the country, uh, that starts in either sixth grade or seventh grade. Uh, so I would typically have, you know, 60, 70 students a year who had never played an instrument before. And so we're starting from square one with which is the top of the case and which is the bottom of the case so that you don't spill it out on the floor. And then uh, by the time, yeah, I, you know, we would start our beginners in the summer. And by the time school started, the first PTA meeting, we would have the beginning band actually playing recognizable things that would leave people going, well, that, that sounds pretty good. And it's only the second week of school. And so much of it was just the organization. Um, and if I could take you back for a moment to the, you know, that, that first week, you know, what is it like getting started as a brand new teacher? I was hired in the, in the middle of the school year for my first job. I graduated college, started a graduate program, but a job came open that I thought, hmm, we can finish the master's program up during a couple of summers. Let me go ahead and take this. So, you know, middle of the year, and you wouldn't believe how many little bitty things are involved in putting on something as simple as a junior high band concert. But the organizational skills yeah, once you've once you've listed one time, once you've gotten all those little to-dos on paper, next time you do a band concert, it's the same to-dos. So I learned early on the value of grabbing those repeating tasks. And we all have them. You know, those things you do every week, every month, every year about the same time. 
And instead of having to reinvent the wheel every year, throw them in a system that's going to throw them back to you at just the right time. And that first week, there were echoes from something I saw in my dad's office when I was about eight years old. When I would hang out with my dad sometimes during the summer because his little office was air-conditioned, and that was back in the time when air conditioning was not ubiquitous. I'd hang out at his office sometimes, and I noticed the first thing I always did was open this one filing cabinet drawer, and inside were these folders that were simply labeled one, two, three, four, up to 31. So if it was the 20th day of the month, he pulled out folder number 20, and inside were these little packets of paper that were were related to the people who were coming to see him that day. So it was like there was his whole day in that one folder. So these people would come in. He would make notes on their little packet of paper. They would set another appointment. He would write that on their packet of paper. And then the person coming back on the 27th of that month, well, they're Packet went in folder number 27, and the person on the second of the month, there's went in folder number two. At the end of the day, his desk was clean again, and I thought, that is the neatest thing. His whole folder there in just one day. So I thought my dad invented the system. It's no business tool called the Tickler file. I didn't know that at the time. But from the first day as a band director, I instituted that for myself. So paperwork was simple. When do I need this form again? Throw it in the tickler file for the appropriate day. And I earned the right to forget about it. And every day, pull the folder for that day. And there's all the paperwork that I'm going to be working with today. It made it so easy. And, And I have been teaching people how to do that now for 40 years. I love that phrase you just said. I earned the right to forget about it. I love that. I love that. Okay. You sound like you've always been an organized person. Is that true? To a certain extent. Um, I'd say growing up, I was not exactly tidy. If you looked at my locker as a junior high student, this, you know, this stuff was just sort of shoved in there everywhere. Um, you know, I, I was the kid who, oh, I can remember that. And I usually did, or, oh, I'll write that on the back of my hand, or I'll jot that on a scrap of paper, fold it and stick it in the center of a textbook. And that worked pretty well. And I I was a good student and had high expectations. When I got to my senior year, you know, that senior year of high school is a little different. There's so many activities going on and you, you know, you're looking forward to college and the college applications. There was more going on than had ever gone in my life before. And what had worked okay to that point was now not working anymore. And it was at that point where I uttered the words in my head, Frank, you have got to get organized. You're good. You need to have yourself a system. So I said, let, well, let me try this. Got a little box of index cards, a little metal file box. And so Each card represented a day, put the date, and on the front, any appointments or to-dos I had. So I didn't even have a calendar. I just had had the cards. And so my job in the first thing in the morning was to grab the card for the day, stick it in my pocket. So on the front was anything I already knew I had going on the day. 
Those were my marching orders. And as the course is the course of the day went on, go into first period, get your homework, jot it on the back of the card. Second period, teacher gives you a homework assignment, jot it on the back of the card. Between second and third period, pretty girl gives you her phone number. Jot it on the back of the card. Fourth period. I, I have that one on the back of my hand. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to, we're going to term paper is going to do, be due April 15th, four months from now. Jot it on the back of the card. Term paper due April 15th. And so back then, I'm actually earning the right to forget about these things. As soon as I jot it on the back of the card and stick that card back in my pocket. Now, later in the day, it's time to go home. What books do I need to take home with me? Look at the back of the card. I get home. What do I need to do? I have one job. Clear the card. Clear the card. Do what was on the front. Do the homework that was on the back. Ooh, there's the pretty girl's phone number. What are you going to do about it? You're going to write it in your dress book. You're going to call her and ask her for a date. If so, when? Well, jot that on an index card for a future day. So, uh, you know, I don't, I don't carry around an index card now. I carry around a $1,000 phone that's synced to my computer and things are syncing back and forth and bouncing off satellites. But when you get back to the real principles, the underlying principles, it's still the same. Yeah, As yeah, I go through on. the day, when something lands on my radar that I'm going to have to do, I don't trust my brain. I don't put it on the back of my hand that I'm going to wash later. I put it in that system, whether the system's the back of the card or the inbox in my Remember the Milk app. Yeah. And then during the day, you just work the system. And life can and life is so much easier than a lot of people try to make it. Okay. So each day, it sounds to me that with your card or whatever tool you're using, you're actually creating a to-do list. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So with a to-do list, in my experience, I found the prioritization of the tasks is equally as important as having a to-do list. So mm -hmm. first, you agree, great. So how do we go about prioritizing a to-do list? And Jeff, for me, I think more in terms of batching the list than prioritizing the list. One, one thing I've always worked very hard at is trying to work ahead of due dates. You know, going back to being a high school senior, you know, I was the kid that if the term paper was due on such and such a date, I was thinking in terms of what date do I want to have that thing typed? Now, I know some of our younger listeners aren't going to understand that concept of a typewriter. But anyway, and of course, you know, typing that paper, that was kind of a big deal. But I didn't want to wait to the last minute. So I've, I've been pretty good about doing things ahead of schedule so that I'm not worried about what absolutely positively is going to blow up tomorrow. But what, what I do look in terms of is, you know, if I go out to run errands, what are all the errands, big or small, so that I can do all of that in one batch. 
uh, email rather than look at what's the most important email. Let me clear it out every day. And when I'm sitting down to do email, let me go top to bottom and either handle that email and I'm done with it or something that's going to take a little more time, forward that email over to my task list. And then as far as if you looked at, if you were to look over my shoulder and look at my to-do list, you would see today, tomorrow, the next day. And then with each Within each of those days, my list is divided into four sections. Got my fab five. If I only get five things done today, what are they going to be? Either because they are deadline-driven or they're things that are going to really move the needle in my career, personally or professionally. And then here are the things I want to see this morning, this afternoon, this evening. So, in other words, those errands, you know, instead of run a couple this morning, run a couple. No, they'd all be batched, uh, you know, this afternoon. Uh, a lot of times I try to do it for the week. Let me run a whole bunch of errands on on Saturday afternoon. Um, and uh, so, and then the the priorities, you know, I'm, I'm, I always have an eye on those big projects. When do I want to have it done? And so let me extract the subtask, you know. What are the little things that are going to add up to having that big thing done and schedule those subtasks out, just intermingle them through the, throughout the day so that during any one day I might be working on 15 or 20 different projects and pushing them all forward a little bit. Okay. So why do people not organize themselves? Why do they avoid it? Because they think it's going to be too hard or that it's going to take too much time. Uh, and for the people for the people who sit down in the morning with a blank piece of paper and go, what do I need to do today? I think those are the people that resist. See, Jeff, I haven't looked at a blank piece of paper to make my to-do list in since I was a high school senior. Because just from just from what we've talked about so far that our listeners have gathered, I'm putting things on the list when they're hitting my radar. You know, as a yeah. as a senior, back of the card, and that night, if it's something I'm not getting done, it's what day does this need to get done? Let's write it on the card for that day. So I get up in the morning, the card's already made. Uh, when I got up today to look at my to-do list, my to-do list was already made either from things I didn't get done yesterday that just simply roll over or things in the past uh, that I decided today I wanted to do that particular thing. So it's, it's so easy. You know, it's getting up and there your marching orders for the day already. But I'm not looking at a blank piece of paper. Okay, thinking about successful people, do you see people experience more failure in their lives due to the lack of organization? Absolutely. Um, both through my personal life, you know, coming through school as a student and then going into my professional career and then having been in education for so many years. You know, I'd, I'd experienced students who were very 
very bright, very bright. But, you know, their homework's at home. It's in their locker. They forget this. They forget scattered. Whereas other students, average intelligence, but had a system, you know, that they were good about writing things down. They They had a place for things. If they were given a handout, they had a place in their notebook that that went. And they opened their locker and things are organized. You know, there was a place for things. Things were in their place. And it, and it just it made it so much easier. Uh, so, so yeah, yeah there, there's so many potentially successful people out there. You know, they have a good idea, but then they can't find the notes that they made for that good idea or they forget that good idea because they're they they they're in the weeds of everyday life and they're so disorganized they're just barely getting through the day and it's like forget the big idea i i can't find my socks i can't find my keys i find the reason i ask you about prioritizing and you explained about batching which i understand yes the reason i bought at prioritizing was when i put together a to-do list many years ago i realized i kept putting off the task that i did not want to do mm-hmm and so, I mean, this particular one was at home and I, I, it, it was a Saturday and I needed to cut my front lawn. And my front lawn is basically a hill. It's not flat and it's quite difficult to do. And I had to wear spiked shoes in order to do it. Frank, I don't like cutting grass, <laughs> so, especially when I'm balancing on this hill. So I kept putting it off and throughout the day, this, let me call it conscience, on my shoulder, kept whispering in my ear, hey, you've still got to cut that grass. And I kept putting mm-hmm. it off and putting it off. And I did it eventually. But what I noticed, I did some other tasks, which I did enjoy, but mm-hmm. I failed to enjoy them because I'd got this task looming at me that I didn't want to do. Absolutely, so, yes. So what I did, I compared this into my business life. And on my to-do list, the way I prioritized it outside of urgent was to think, what's the one, what's the, where's the monster? Where's the thing I really don't want to do because I know it's going to nag at me. So I want to get that done and out the way and I'm going to use one of your phrases with use some poetic license. Then I'd earn the right <laughs> to enjoy the rest of the tasks. So yes. do you find that yourself? In in is would you agree that I, I say eat the monster, get that task done that you don't like, get it off your to-do list so you can get on and enjoy the rest. Absolutely, absolutely. Other, um, Mark Twain once said, and I, "I don't know if I get the quote exactly right, but uh, you know, if you have to eat a frog, 
um, do it first thing in the morning. And if you have to, and if there if there are two frogs, eat the ugliest one first. It was something <laughs> along that line. And an author by the name of Brian Tracy actually wrote a book called "Eat That Frog," where he talks oh, about right. taking, taking the big nasty thing that you that you really don't want to do, and just do that first thing in the morning. Make yourself do that, so that the rest of the day is going to be so much easier. Actually, uh, within the last month, wrote a blog post that uh, that the title was something that was like um, "Eat That Frog." Or make frog legs, and what I argued for in that in that post was, what is it that is making that frog so ugly? You know, what's making that so difficult? And what could you do to make it easy? You know, is it I'm postponing that? I'm procrastinating on that big thing because I really don't. I don't. I don't have all the information. Okay, where could I get the information? Um, Oh, like cutting your lawn because you've got such a hill. That that takes me back to the house where I grew up. We had this bank in front. In in fact, to cut the grass on that front bank, oh, it was a monster. It yeah, went. for sure. So you ought to see my dad cutting the grass. He had the lawnmower. He had a rope. So when it came time to cut the bank, he just tied the rope to the back of the lawnmower, and it was like he was fishing. He would just reel it out. <laughs> and reel it back in so that that lawnmower was just going up and down the hill while he's just reeling that rope in and then letting that rope out and making the task actually fairly easy. Plus, all the neighbors thought, well, that's kind of an interesting way to cut the grass. So, and, and you know, and as, as I get older, you know, and we all have these things that we don't necessarily want to do. And the secret is, what can we do to make them less displeasurable? You know, is it, is it a little thing that we could buy that would make that thing more pleasurable? Uh, you know, if it's, uh, you know, we, we don't vacuum the house because, gosh, it's such a pain to take that equipment up and down those stairs every day. Well, could you buy another one? Could you have one for the upstairs, one for the downstairs, if that was the sticking point? Uh, just so many things. So I'm, I'm always looking at how could we make this easy? Yeah. And then it wouldn't be the frog anymore. It'd be frog legs, and they're yeah, tasty. Yeah, sure. In, in fact, th that, um, that story about the vacuum cleaner is what happened to us. And I did buy another vacuum for upstairs, and it, it's great. <laughs> but I like the story about your dad with a lawnmower with a rope, and he's doing his fishing. I actually got a better solution than that. Okay. Yeah. I hired a gardener. <laughs> I got rid of the task completely. <laughs> Well, yeah, you know, and one of the things in, in all the time management literature, you know, delegation. And, and so here at our house, our, our yard is flat, but it's big. So I could buy a lawnmower and get out there in the hot sun and here this time of the year in Alabama, it, it's hot. I could do that or... I could do things that I'm really good at that people pay me to do. And then I could turn around and take a little bit of that money, which I do, and pay someone who likes to cut grass, who has the equipment 
the fellow that I have, oh gosh, he's he comes with his truck and it's got the gate on the back with all the equipment in there, and he rides across my front yard while he's got his headphones on listening to music. He is having the best time riding across the lawn in and for him it's fun. Yeah. And he gets paid to do it. Absolutely. I think you know do it for free, but no. So, um, you know, delegating out the things that we're not good at, or it, it's not fun so that we can do more of what we are good at and we enjoy doing. And I think the more we are doing things that we both are good at and that we enjoy doing, there's the path to success. And there are the dollars that allow us the freedom to delegate out some of those other things to people who enjoy what they are doing and are good at. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. I would be the most expensive grass cutter ever. So (laughs) (laughs) now I have a different question for you. I have many friends in business as I travel all over the world. Some of them have a nice clean desk and some of them, They don't. Mm -hmm. So I've heard lots of stories, lots of metaphors about having a clean desk. So two questions for you, Frank. Should we have a clean desk? If so, why? And Mm -hmm. if it's a yes, which I'm guessing it probably is, what are the secrets to maintaining a clean desk? Okay. I am a clean desk person and was my entire teaching career. The secret behind it, which I learned from my dad when I was about eight years old, was a tickler file. Because all of those papers that would be laying on my desk, I've got that meeting Thursday morning, so i got to take that little stack of papers right there with me. And this stack over here is reminding him this. No. When do I need these papers again? Put them in the tickler file. On the day I need them, they, they're going to arrive. And then so all, all I'm left with is what are the papers that I'm actually working with today? Well, I say in, out, and pending. you got to have a place for those incoming papers, and everybody who works with you knows where that place is. Now, as a school principal, my in was not on my desk because I don't want people coming to my desk to hand me a piece of paper. It was out by the school secretary. So if you had something from me, you put it there. At the end of the day, I'd go grab it all, put it in a pile, and just work through it top to bottom. But I didn't want to be interrupted for every little piece of paper that came my way. And then have a place called out. For me, it was on the credenza behind my desk, just a little uh, a tray where I could just really even toss things over my shoulder. that needed to go somewhere else in the world. Well, I didn't want to have them sitting on my desk, and I didn't want to be distracted by them. So a couple of times during the day, secretary can just take and distribute those things. And then pending, you know, those papers I'm actually really going to be working with. I had a little shallow desk drawer as a principal. Just put those in there so that the surface of my desk was clean and I wasn't being distracted by all of the other things. The only thing on the desk was what I was actually working on right then. Another thing that that did for me, and I, I think we we really need to think about it, if, if we have paperwork that is sensitive in nature at all, 
and we have other people coming in our office meeting with us. You've got to be careful about what's laying out on your desk. You know, as a school principal, I can't have a parent eyeballing paperwork related to somebody else's child. You know, I don't want to be getting up from my desk to go get something and here's some visitor still in my office just reading all this paperwork on my desk. So when the desk is clear, I'm not distracted. And we, we, you know, we give the system, uh, we have the confidence in our system that things are going to appear at the right time. Okay, so what you're saying is wonderful. Now, I'm sure there are people listening that go, hey, Dr. Frank, it all makes sense, but I, my desk is not clear. I don't have the cards. Whilst it sounds great, uh, it seems such a big stretch. So what's the secret, Frank, for getting started to being organized? Mm -hmm. if, I, if I walked into someone's office who was at square one and said, Frank, just, just help me, help me. We would start by taking everything in their desk and emptying it in the floor. Empty the desk totally, every drawer, and start by throwing things away. The, um, you know, the, the ballpoint pens that don't work, uh, you know, the, the, the pencils that would work if we sharpened them, but we, we haven't. Uh, I, I actually used to, as a principal, I had, I had two pencil cups, one of sharpened pencils and one of pencils that needed to be sharpened, you know, because you can grab a sharpened pencil, you write a few things and you look at the point, well, it's still sharp. It goes back in there, but at some point it's no longer sharp enough. Then oh, put them over here. Well, when this first jar is empty, and all we have is unsharpened pencils, you give the whole jar to a student who goes and sharpens them all. <laughs> so uh, I dig digress a little bit there, but all of the things that just simply need to be thrown away and, and the 19 pads of sticky notes, well, 18 of them, put them back in wherever we store <laughs> sticky notes. You don't need 19 pads. You need you do need one. So paring some of that some of that stuff down, uh, so that you have the supplies you need, and then set up the tickler file in a hanging file drawer. Set up the tickler file. Now you sort of got the shell. Now you can start going through the paperwork. What does this piece of paper that's been on your desk mean to you? Oh, well, I need to call Susan on Thursday about that. Okay, fine. Put it in Thursday's folder. Uh, and, you know, just going through it little by little. And, gosh, I don't know what to do with that, especially if you're new to the job. Say you're, you're a brand-new principal, and here's all this paperwork left behind. What really worked for me was, hmm, let me see this again in about two weeks, and maybe I'll know what it is. And so often, that's exactly what happened. Get that tickler file set up. Get an in, out, and pending so that when people have paper for you, they're not sticking it at you as you're walking down the hall. They've got a place to put it. You've got a place to put things that need to go somewhere else in the world. Get that up and going. Second Get your things to do in order. 
Yep, they may be on sticky notes to start with, but get a good digital app. Uh, I was a big paper planner person for many, many years until that email deluge. You know, when you get three emails a day, you can print them out and put them in your tickler file. When you get 103 a day, and probably the people who are listening to us right now are there or higher. Digital problems require digital solutions. And it, it, in the age in which we live with so much coming to us digitally, I think that organizational system has to be digital. So a good digital task manager. I use Remember the Milk. Set it up, you know, uh, create the account on your computer, download the mobile app, and then just start putting the to-dos all that are on little scraps of paper. Start just throwing them on the list there. Empty your head uh, of all the little to-dos so that it's all in one place. You can start assigning dates to it and um, all of the to-dos that are repeating tasks. Decide when they repeat. And once you get it all in there, now you can just work the list. It, it's easy. I, I love going in and doing this sort of one-on-one work with people. And uh, it, it, it's amazing how quickly you can go from overwhelmed to really in control. Uh, email, I think the record was a magazine executive with 63,000 emails in his inbox. And so when I left his office that day, he was at zero. All he needed was a good system with what to do with all those emails. You know, he had read them, he had acted on them, but he hated to delete them because what if he ever needed them again? But then they're in there with all the emails that he hasn't acted on. So it was like every time I opened my email, it's like, oh, no, I got to face that email dragon again. So what is the best way? What system do we need to create for uh, dealing with email effectively? Mm -hmm. I tell people, think about it like the mailbox in front of your house at home. It's empty every day. And you take that mail and you start making decisions about it. You don't read mail and go stick it back in the mailbox. But that's exactly what we do in our email inbox. So what I do is go through, you know, you've got some emails that people leave in their email inbox because they it, it's about places they need to be. You know, it's an email that's telling them about a meeting and here's where to park. Here's the agenda. And it's like, ooh, this is good stuff. I need to hang on to this. I'm going to need this the day of. Only by the day of the meeting, it's now 74 screens down. But immediately, I take that and put it on the calendar. You know, if people who are using Outlook, a lot of them don't know that you can just simply click on that email, drag it over to the little calendar icon, and it creates a new appointment and the entire body of the emails in the little description section. Um, if you're using Gmail and a Google Calendar, there's little three dots you can click and say create event, and it just puts it over on your calendar. So all of the emails that, are, that really need to be on your calendar Stick them over on the calendar. They can get rid of the email. The biggie is all the emails that are that are really tasks. You know, you get this email and it's telling you something to do. Some people leave it in the email inbox. They use it as their to-do list. No, put it on the to-do list. Outlook, drag it to the task button, give it a date, save it, 
you're good. Uh, like things with like remember the milk, they give you a little email address that you can just forward it to, and it's on your to-do list. I tell people you got an email that embeds something to do. Either do the task right then, get rid of the email, or forward it over to your email, uh, forward it over to your task list, get rid of the email. Things that are good reference information that you want to save because this will be good information to use later. I forward mine to Evernote. I've got an Evernote email address. Just hit forward, send it over there. Uh, some people have little um, various folders, you know, drag it in there. Don't just leave it sitting in email. And then the big one, what's left now is, gosh, I hate to get rid of this. What if I ever need it again? So in other words, documentation. I'm keeping these emails for documentation. And with with many people, it's thousands upon thousands because they're scared to get rid of anything. Well, that's fine. Just archive it all. You know, click the top one, hold the shift key, click the bottom one, drag over into one folder that you could search. Search for the person's name or the date or any combination if you ever need it again. And then it's an empty so that the emails that are there are the emails that are there because a decision has not yet been made. There are emails that have come in today. They're untouched, just like the email, just like the mail in the mailbox in front of your house. And you just start going through making the decision. Now, do I always get it totally empty? Sometimes, you know, there are three or four and you're toast at the end of the day. Fine. Let those three or four stay there so that tomorrow you're looking at three or four plus what came in overnight instead of three or four hundred or three or four thousand. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm quite good on that one. One of the things I do, if there's email in my inbox, it means I have to do something with it. Yes. And you talked about the folder that your dad had. And what I do, I have folders for specific subjects. And mm -hmm. so there's the inbox and you have the ability to create subfolders in Outlook. Yeah. And I just drag the email over to the relevant folder. So when I do need it in the future, then I know where to look for it. But I love the tip about dragging an email into your calendar and it just makes the appointment for you. I'm sure many, many don't realize that. So thinking about work and success now, how do you get inspired? By exciting work, by, you know, when you look at tomorrow's to-do list and there are things that are fun, they're challenging, but you're up to the task. You know, I, and I think that's where the fun is. You know, there are things that are that you can do, but they're no fun to do. We call that boredom. That are things that are challenging, but they're too hard, and we call that frustration. But they're right in the middle where it kind of takes a special person, but you are that special person. That's where the golden goody is. You know, to, to be, you know, Jeff, to be able to get up in the morning and know that I'm going to be talking with someone like you, an, another successful person from a totally different part of the world, and that 
the conversation that we have together, many other people are going to hear that conversation. People that I will never meet, people that you will never meet, but there's the possibility that something that I said or that you said during this interview is going to change somebody's life in a small way. I'm sure there will be people that go tickler file. I've never heard of the tickler file. They'll Google it. They'll learn a little more about the tickler file. They'll put it into motion and go, where has this thing been all my life? And then, you know, who knows? I may meet them in some foreign city. Frank, but Frank, I listened to you on a podcast that you did with Jeff Smith back in 2022. And that little thing you said about the tickler file that yeah, you, you, you never know, but it's that kind of work that is different every day. That is fun and makes life better for other people. Yes, for sure. Uh, the clean desk. Personally, I can really, really honestly vouch for that. And that's because when I first began to write books, I did not have a clear desk. In fact, there was clutter all around me and I was constantly distracted. So what I did, I cleared the lot away and then all I had to think about was writing the book. And Frank, it makes such a massive difference to, yes. to getting it done, to having clarity of thought and everything. So it, there's much more to this than just having a clear area or being organised. It has such a massive impact upon your life, especially when you're, you have um, goals in place and you're working on them. The last thing you need to do is to be di- distracted by anything that's around you. So I have another question for you now. Sure. What is the most important thing you have learned? Most important thing that I've learned? Yeah. We are responsible for the lives that we build. We live in an age where information's all around us, where people who could help us make our lives better are all around us. If we figure out who they are and we take the initiative to, to ask for help and we exude whatever qualities that would make someone else say my time is, is worth it to help that person. Uh, you know, we live in an age where, Everyone can go to school. It's not for just the wealthy. It's for everyone. And we have the opportunities to shape the life that we live. And especially, you know, when you've gotten to be my age, it's, you know, I'm the sum of the decisions that I have made, good or bad. I love that. If it is to be, it's up to me. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yes. So if someone needs your help, Frank, and they want to reach out to you, how do they do that? How do we contact you? My website is frankbuck.org. 
And the first thing that I would encourage anyone to do when they go to the website is immediately just get on the email list as soon as you get there. We're going to give you two free gifts just for doing that. We've talked about the tickler file. And so the, the first thing people get is chapter one from the book I wrote in like 2015, Get Organized, Time Management for School Leaders. And you don't have to be a school leader to do the tickler file, believe me. Uh, but you get that first chapter that explains about the tickler file and keeping the clean desk and all that good kind of stuff. So we give you a couple of days to sort of get that up and going. And a couple of days later, you get a second gift from me. And it's an ebook on how I use Remember the Milk, that digital task list. Shows you how to get it how to do those little one-time settings, a strategy for how to set it up and use it each day. And then uh, once a week, you get a little email from me that's telling you what's new that I've put on YouTube. Uh, it'll do things like let people know about this podcast that we're doing right now and uh, things that I'm finding helpful that I think other people will find helpful. So come on over frankbuck.org, join the email list, and let's start making life just a little bit easier and a little bit more productive. Okay, now I'm going to move over a little bit, a little bit more sensitive, I think. Marriage. Sure. Marriage. Yes, sir. It's a wonderful institution. That is, if you like living in institutions. <laughs> so, here's my question, Frank. Let's say you've got a guy who is really organized, loves his wife, but she's not organized and it's causing friction. Do you have any experience about how to deal with that? Well, that's that, that, that's one you need to get right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, my wife and I celebrated uh, 33 years of marriage just, just recently. And she's very organized, but she's but different from me. I, I've, I have tended to be very digital and have always looked for digital solutions. She's organized. She prefers paper. And if it, and she's like, this is working for me. I'm not changing. So I think one is respecting the other person. So if one is organized, one is not, then, okay, I have my area, and I have it very organized, and so don't come in here and clutter it up, you know? And <laughs> yeah, you have that's your great area, advice. Yeah. You have your sewing room. You had that to me would look like utter chaos. And to the other person says, Look, I know where everything is. I want so and so. I just reach in this pile and I know exactly where it is. Respect that and let them have their areas. So kind of we, we have areas that are organized, areas that, that are not organized. And then I think from there be the model. As as so, I have taught so many people who have worked closely with me just by them watching me and going, that looks so easy, like special things like the tickler file. And then they like, oh, explain to me, how, how are you doing that? Uh, and so they they see the end result and they see how easy the end result looks. And they go, well, what's, what I'm doing is not working nearly so well. Explain to me what you're doing. So that they've already talked themselves into it. 
The hardest part is to go into somebody's office and say, look, you're disorganized. Let me help you. Uh-uh. That doesn't, that does not, that does not work at all. And, uh, you, you know, with it, within our own marriage, just little, little by little, um, you know, she kept a paper calendar. I was Google calendar. And then when I shared my calendar with her so that she could see, wow, here's, I don't have to ask Frank about his appointments. I can see all of his stuff. And so then she started just keeping her own. And so instead of sitting down on Saturday morning going, okay, what's this week look like for you? Where you in, and, and synchronizing calendars on paper, she can always see what's what's happening. And every time I add something to my calendar, she also gets an email letting her know, oh, Frank's just added something to his calendar. And then she was flip phone for a long time. Yeah, I was smartphone. She was flip phone. And then one day I happened to be in the in in the uh, the the phone store and said, let me just ask you a question. You know, our, our monthly bill that, that we pay and I've got my smartphone. She's got her flip phone. You know, I've got an old smartphone sitting at home. It's not doing anything. How much more would it cost to put that phone on the plane? You know, in other words, let her phone number ring that old phone. They said, same price. Wouldn't cost you any more. I said, what? I said, let's do it. And so once my wife had a smartphone, now you couldn't pry it out of her hands. So I think, so it, it's, it's baby steps. It's baby steps. And with that other person seeing how that change, that small change is not going to be hard and it's going to make things easier. And then the next step after that is a little easier. Indeed. Baby, baby steps, baby yeah. steps. A few things I've loved today, Frank, and thank you for sharing all that you have. I love the way you've made it easy and simple, because it is. We don't have to do everything at once. We can take our time doing it. But I loved that comment early on. It really resonated. When you put something on your list, you put it in your tickler file, and you said, I've earned the right to forget about it. Yes. And uh, I love that. So we've come to the end of the show, regrettably. I think I'm going to have to call you back in the future. We'll have to look at our calendars, Frank. But that... <laughs> I would love to come back anytime. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Yes. Well, that's it for today. Thank you, Dr. Frank Buck. You have been truly amazing you've made this world of clutter so simple thank you so much thank you jeff thank you thank you for listening to the secrets of success i hope the show has helped you to ignite your passion to be a catalyst for change and giving you the fuel you need to realize your dreams now for the important bit if you've enjoyed the show please hit the like button leave a review and share it and follow. It really makes a huge difference because without your help, we, we just can't succeed. So please go ahead right now and hit the follow button. On another note, I'm always searching for great success stories. So if you'd like to be a guest on the show, or you'd like to nominate a guest to come on the show, please contact me on the website at jeff-smith.com. I'd really love to hear from you. 
Well, that's all from me. Thank you again for listening, and you have a great day.